Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. If you find value in what we do and you'd like to support the podcast, go to coffee.com, that's K-O hyphen F-I.com forward slash alone, or you can go to alonewithinvisiblepeople.com forward slash support us to find out more. Thank you. Hi, I'm Rebecca Gallardo, the host of Alone in a Room with Invisible People. I am here today with author and teacher Holly Lyle, and our topic is writing advice to younger self. So uh, we're just going to go ahead and get right into it. This was a question from, again, you know, one of the listeners, one of the people on the Holly's writing classes. And the question was basically just, if you could tell your younger writing self one thing, what would it be? So Holly, <laughs> yeah, I know it's hard to pare that down, isn't it? It is. And I didn't have just one thing. Yeah. So um, <laughs> on the off chance that, that we can go a little broader with this... Yeah, just um, start, but start with the very first one thing that you felt was the, like, the most important or the first thing you wrote down, and then that, that would be your main thing, and then we'll add some other stuff in there, okay. because remember, we've already done the If You Could Go Back in Time episode, which mm -hmm. I will link in the show notes for anybody who hasn't listened to that. That one was also a very good episode. Yeah, the What Would You Do Differently? Yes, what but, would you do differently? Yeah. Um, but this is a different, totally different kind of concept. It is. This is. So, yeah. Um, it, yeah, if I could whisper to myself when I was a 15. 15, because I knew at that point that I just loved books. Yeah, you loved to read. You didn't know. I loved to read. I didn't, oh, God, I wasn't anywhere near writing. Not at that point. Yeah. Um. The thing that I would tell myself is one minute you're 15 and the next you're almost 60. And the older you get, the faster time moves. And, you know, you're, you're only about halfway there at this point. But. but I've noticed the same thing. Like, the way that I look at it, yesterday we started the podcast. Two days ago <laughs> I was 23, 22 and meeting Tony. Three days ago I was you know a, like 14 writing or 15 writing my first erotica and then the next day before that I was 11 deciding for sure that 100% I am going to be a professional author and I'm going to do everything mom does and I'm going to learn from her and I'm going to be published by 12 or 13. <laughs> so this was less than a week ago and I was 11 years old and I'm yeah. 36 now. Yeah yeah it, it it's this is something that's very hard for 20-year-olds to understand. Yeah. And if you are a younger listener, 20 or in your teens or anything like that, we we can't really prove it to you because you're going to think that, oh, you'll understand it when you get older. You hear that all the time. Mm -hmm. And believe me, we heard it too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> you feel immortal and you feel like well that's that's you know that's you guys it's different for me yeah and you slowly learn as you get older that no it, it, it. this is just part of the human experience this is yeah. something everybody hits mm -hmm. 
even if you're even if you're 50 or 60 right now you still have time to create a whole nother career mm-hmm. yeah i've got i've got guys in the forums that are 50 60 70 we had the one lady who's 90 yeah come into the help desk yeah which I think is just amazing and brilliant and wonderful. And, and yeah, brave. You can, and brave, because yes, you can learn to do stuff all the way through your whole life. And mm-hmm. you can make every day count. But that's getting kind of off of the thing here. It's that which, this is just that acceleration of time. Time goes faster as you get older. Mm-hmm. And it's just because you have experienced more of it. And you can reach back further, which makes the time, the little slice of time you're in now, comparatively smaller. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not fun to look at. <laughs> it isn't. But, but yeah, that's just, if, if you could go back and tell yourself, and this is, you will hit this point. And no matter how old you are now, you will hit this point later where you say, man, I wish I could have gone back and told myself back then. You know, that, that it goes faster and to start doing the stuff you love now. The next thing is that you have to chase and embrace and hang on to the things that you love while you can. Because everything you love, you will eventually lose. <laughs> and it, it is be here now. And you have a way deeper perspective on that than I do. Well, read it out again. Okay. You have to chase and embrace and hang on to the things you love while you can because everything you love, you will eventually lose. Now explain from your perspective how that has to do with writing. If you love writing, you need to grab it now. You need to step in and start doing this thing that you love with the intent of enjoying it and having fun with it and building things you love with it. It's, it's like a giant Tinker Toy box right? for, for people who aren't from the Tinker Toy generation, which I am. Uh, Legos. It's like a giant box of Legos. And you can build anything you want with all of these little pieces. And you can make magnificent, really amazing stuff. I mean, yeah. there are people who have built like the Taj Mahal, almost in life scale models from Legos. Yes. There are professional builders for Lego. I look at that and I think if I'd have known that as a child, <laughs> that that was going to be a literal like career where you can make good fucking money doing it, I might not be a writer today. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember how into Legos I was? I oh always my built the God, toilets. yes. It was the thing we got for you because it was guaranteed. No matter, you couldn't have enough of them. You, you couldn't have, it didn't matter that you couldn't ever have all of the colors of them. Mm-hmm. And no matter how many you had, you always needed more for the next thing. Yeah, and this is in the nine, eight, late 80s, early 90s when yeah. they didn't have quite as many cool things. You know, they didn't have oh, yeah. as many sets or anything like that. And um, I remember when the the robin hood movie came out with kevin costner then they had the robin hood sets and i was insane i wanted all of them and (laughs) legos were still expensive back then i think legos probably are still expensive but oh god legos are freaking crazy expensive now yeah and they were they've always been expensive but and, and i feel bad because 
my um, ex has my Legos from Aww. from you. Yeah, what a I just bag. it was one of the things that I left. Yeah, well, yeah, there, there are a lot of things we left because sometimes you just have to get out. Yeah, and yeah. and you can't grab everything and go, and Mm-mm. and it's better to not grab everything and just go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I happier now than if I had tried to take everything but it's it's so for for why do you think that I have a deeper perspective on that though because you're Buddhist (laughs) I love that I love that oh my goodness yeah everything is changing everything is is life is got a certain amount of that suffering in it all of us do Absolutely. And if you don't focus on those things that you love and take them now and focus on the parts that you, that bring you happiness, you can kill your love for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Focusing on the misery part of, of anything will make you hate it. And yeah. there were some periods in my life where I was doing writing and grinding through and focusing on the misery part of it. And I was miserable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah, how yeah. frustrated you were. You would finish the writing and, and just veg. Yeah, there and was just no joy in it for me then. No. I had lost my perspective. And now every time I sit down to write, it's fun. I am finding, I am, I am chasing these crazy people through my head. <laughs> Yeah. And and watching them do stuff that I just can't believe they're doing and I am having so much fun. And that is the perspective from which to do this. And and that is I think this I can take with me through the rest of my life. This this thing that I have caught where I allow my people to do stupid shit. <laughs> and then I make them face the consequences of it, laughing gleefully and rubbing my hands together in, in an evil fashion and, and, and watching them get their ways out of these things that they got themselves into. I had nothing to do with it. I no, was nothing at all. Yeah, it wasn't your evil brain. <laughs> I, I mean, that's, that's the good thing is that if you are sitting there and um, you, let's say that you, you want to write and you love it when you can – We've talked about this many times. Make time for it because nobody can find time. You have to make time. You have to prioritize or other people will prioritize for you. Mm -hmm. And if you don't use it, you lose it. Um, I picked up a whole bunch of Spanish when I was working as a maid to be able to communicate with my other um, friends that were, you know, with the coworkers and everything. and I haven't used it in years, and I've lost most of it. And, I yeah. mean, I was nearly fluent in, in what we were talking about anyway, not fluent in oh, the Spanish language. Oh, well, yeah, language. sectional, yeah, well, that's all I ever had was just sort of this sectional stuff that you use everyday stuff. I, I couldn't discuss anything important in Spanish. Yeah, you but, didn't know anything outside of what, you, what that little area of your life, like. Yeah. Yeah, and that was the same thing for for me um and it's the same thing with writing if you if you don't use it you're gonna you're gonna lose it to other things and you're gonna be miserable but you can also focusing on the misery of that 
focusing on the things you don't want to do, my best advice is to ask yourself, what can I love during this process? Because that's the one thing that Buddhism definitely taught me. Mm-hmm. And, and and again, this is this is a philosophical thing. It's it's something that you can be taught. It's not about religion. Right. It's you know it can it's something that anything can teach you. Is that you that it's like trying to find time. You can't find happiness. You have to make it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same thing, and you have to make the happiness. So if you hate world building, just do some freestyle writing and figure out what about world building bothers you and how you can learn to love the process. Mm-hmm. And I think that that kind of would cover my perspective on that part. Yeah, that's. I think that is really good. Um, while you were talking, I realized there was uh, something else that I, I think is really important, is that it is more important to, if, if you are not, if you're just getting started, and, or if you, are, if you are not writing at a professional level yet, it is more important to have fun with what you're writing than it is to grind through and try and get the perfect manuscript this time. Yeah. Because um, you will get better just by doing it. But you cannot make a perfect manuscript the first time. Um, I can't make a perfect manuscript the first time. My first drafts have some crazy, crazy crap in them. And just and just go off the rails in all kinds of different ways because I am having fun while I'm doing it, and I am pursuing the fun. I am yeah. pursuing this the part of the story that I love and letting it take me where it takes me while using some a few rails. You know, I have my little provisional outline over on the side, and I try and stay within the rails of that. Yeah. But um, it is far far more important to write a lot badly and then revise what you write than it is to just try and make everything perfect the first time out. That That's such an important thing. And that is why I had one of those, I'm not going to say it's a midlife crisis, but it's a writer existential crisis. Because when I was 11 and I was trying to write professionally, I enjoyed coming up with the stories, but I hated the writing, writing part Mm -hmm. because I knew I wasn't doing it right. Then when I decided to write erotica, I was just writing for fun for myself because tee hee hee, this is taboo. You know, I was like 14 (laughs) or 15. I I wasn't, this era of 14 and 15 year olds are beyond what I was like. I was a sheltered goody two-shoes kid at that point you Mm -hmm. know i had gone through my my bad bad phase with barry and i was a goody two-shoes kid so i thought i was like hee hee you know i'm writing sexy stuff (laughs) and it it was um it was also before the age of uh, availability of massive amounts of porn on your computer right so um yeah this was still during dial-up yes (laughs) And I read romance novels and I watched um, love stories and stuff like that. And that is when I started to find a lot of joy. And then I started writing the fan fiction. And having the freedom of, I'm not actually publishing this. I'm just writing it for fun and for the people who are like me who want to see Clark and Lex get together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who want to see um, 
Chloe and Lana get together or whatever it was or who want to see this other relationship having no pressure to publish what I was working at but having had a little bit of practice writing something fun beforehand like mm-hmm. all of that erotica that I wrote or the the um uh the screenplay later on yeah okay actually no the screenplay uh, the very first screenplay that I started writing was the Lost in Space fan fiction. Again, not going to happen. It's not It's not going to get published. So I had all of this stuff that I knew was never going to be put into critical faces that was just for fun. Yeah. So by the time I hit writing the screenwriting, I had so much love for the craft and momentum for the craft. Right. That I was willing to work through the struggles of trying to fix my writing that that love for my work has has carried me through that writing existential crisis that i had when i quit fan fiction cold turkey and tried to write original Mm -hmm. which that lasted for quite a few years and it brought me it has given me the strength to go through how to revise your novel. It, it has given me the strength to keep going through classes. So <laughs> Holly makes an incredibly important point that if you are just starting out, just find the love in it. Don't mm-hmm. don't pressure yourself to get it right. Just write for fun. Just write lots. Yeah, have fun, write lots. Because prolific writers who read through what they write and see where they could have done better, get progressively better, even out, even without doing rigid, difficult, frustrating revisions. And yes. Becky's nodding vigorously here. Yes, yes. Yeah, you can just by reading through what you have read afterwards, letting it, let it sit, get cold, and then, you know, and cold is, you know, depending on the length of the thing, you know, between a week and a month, uh, let it get cold. And then go back and read it and, and pretend that it was written by somebody other than you mm-hmm. and see if you can figure out how it could be better. And you think you can then fix it or you can just leave it there understanding that it's not good enough and you don't want that one to go out there and write something else, keeping in mind what you found from that one. Prolific writers who are, are paying attention to their own work and who are trying to get better, get better. Yeah, that so I, Holly is the one that told me that I needed to chime in on a, lot, on a lot of this because I didn't think my perspective on anything would matter because this is, you know, this is definitely a question for Holly. But you have answered the question for me in the, if there is one thing you could tell your younger self, what would it be? It would be to have started at the same time but mm-hmm. to have only focused on writing what I loved. And through that, that I wouldn't have had that existential crisis, the writer's existential crisis of the fan fiction and the original fiction. It was such a large gap because I had to find for myself that, no, I don't want to be, quote, just a fan fiction writer. Right. I want to be an original writer, but I don't know how to do it. I had to find... It, was, it wasn't the seven years of you trying to, to teach yourself how to write. How to, well, how to revise. How to revise, but yeah. also how to write. Well, yeah, that's true, because I had still wasn't still, I was writing like hell. Yeah. And, and 
Yeah, that's it true. wasn't it wasn't that seven year gap. It was only a few years, but at the same time, it was a struggle. If I had had that knowledge, just write what you love, it would have been easier. The transition would have been better. I would have known to look for what I loved. If you haven't listened to the um, How to Break Away from Fan Fiction episode, I'll link it in the show notes. If that's a problem you're having, I share how I did it. Um, but that would definitely be my my personal advice is to focus on what you love when you're new and just write a whole bunch and not worry about, well, who's going to see this? How professional is this? None of that. Just create this powerful inner love and momentum inside of you before you start focusing on the professionalism. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to use uh, as a very positive example of this, the, the guy that Mark is reading and he keeps telling me about John, John Athan. Athan. He's pretty sure it's a pseudonym anyway, and I, I kind of lean into the same belief. I think so too, but it's a, it's a steady pseudonym that he has kept the entire time. Yeah, and he said, and, and Mark was telling me even just last night when we were talking, that this guy is getting progressively better with every book. And he said the first stuff was pretty rough, but that it is getting better and better. Now, he reads in uh, genres I won't go near, and mm-hmm. then this guy writes in genres I won't go yep. near. And we were just but, talking about him on the podcast yesterday yeah. when we pre-recorded one. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's come up a couple of times now. Um, well, Mark's very focused on him right now. So, yeah, that's, that is, I can't say that that's a plug because I haven't read the guy and won't because he doesn't write in a genre that I like at all. He writes in extreme horror. Thank you. Yes, that's, I couldn't remember it. <laughs> yeah, lots of gore. It's one of those kind of horror things where they put the extreme on the cover and he is um, one of the ones who is actually writing extreme horror. So mm-hmm. if that is a thing you like to read... Um, that is Mark's recommendation yeah. for his his most recent stuff. If that is a thing that you like to read, um, it is a thing that I like to read sometimes. Like I, like you say, we read broadly. There mm-hmm. are things that you won't read. Extreme horror is is yeah. one of them. Yeah, that's it. But anyway, that's... go ahead and explain why he is a positive example of because he jumped in and did it. Because he jumped in and put up stuff that really wasn't apparently ready. Um, and found started finding a small readership because as he wrote, he got better at what he was doing because uh, according to Mark, the last thing he did was really good. It was one of his favorite extreme horror novels he's ever written. Yeah, yeah. If you write a lot and if you pay attention to you what you're doing and if you learn from your mistakes and don't make them again, you will get a lot better very quickly. So, yeah. yeah. You just, this is just, this is just such an important little thing. And it's something that I don't think very many people say is that, yeah, there is a real big benefit to being prolific. And mm-hmm. it is that you have, you, you can, by producing more stuff and by learning from the earlier stuff you produce, you can get better faster. Yeah. So if, if you are one of those people that I'm going to call you the, I don't give a fuck person who is, is like my my best friend Leah Mm -hmm. um like a lot of people out there they are the I don't give a fuck I'm gonna put my shit up I'm gonna put my work up I'm going to um and if you're one of the people that doesn't you know curse or anything you can be the I don't I don't give a a, a care I don't give a care at all I have no cares for you um (laughs) because I actually like that term too (laughs) it's like 
um, look at all the cares that I give. That's yes. that's, that's your <laughs> meme instead of the F word. Um, you put your stuff up there. You don't care if it is perfect. Then you are not suffering from perfectionism, from perfect <laughs> being a symptom. And I give you so many kudos because it took me a long time to get to the point where um, I didn't care about being exactly perfect it takes a it can take a long time for people and i i look at him as kind of like this this hero in a different genre of a dude who is putting his stuff out because he loves it and he knows that he's gonna what's the other guy's name the the one that wrote the book um about how to make money on fiction i don't i on amazon i don't remember Holly doesn't either. Oh, there are a bunch of them now. Well, no, but we were we read the book. He's the one that says the next book sells the last book. Yeah. Um, um he writes military sci-fi. I will put his name in the show notes. I'll put his book in the show notes because that is one that we definitely recommend. Yeah. Um he specifically says in his book, I'm not the best writer. When I started, I was not even a very very good writer. Um I am progressively getting better and I'm putting my stuff out and I have a fan base and the next book is selling my last books. And if you can get to that point where you are brave enough to just take the leap, do it. Go for it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then our next thing that we've got is, um, I, I would tell myself never waste a minute of your life beating yourself up for the things you think you should do, but that you don't love. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's just assume that the people listening right now are not writers that have been told they, they should write. Because mm -hmm. we have covered that topic many times. If you are a person that has been told you should write, and that's why you're here, examine your reason for writing and let it go. Go follow your real dream. Mm -hmm. So, go ahead and... From your perspective, let's assume everybody else listening right now is somebody who this is their dream and this is what they love. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, from that perspective, uh, you should, if you're going to write, you should write in this specific genre that I, the person who is telling you this, approve of. Because what you love, it, I find appalling or evil or um, religiously... Uh, um, going to get you condemned to hell or yes it's blasphemous blasphemous yes that's it then you were also told that you should be a singer that you should be an artist mm -hmm. that you should be a nurse mm -hmm. and yeah. you you actually felt a certain amount of of not guilt but a, well yeah i guess it would be forced guilt from somebody else because remember you're also looking at this as a very strong independent woman who has built a career out of writing but at the time that wasn't you no no that's that was that was someone i had to become you were a 20 something year old single mother with two kids and a nursing degree that you had the balls to walk away from <laughs> after selling your first book, which is also a mistake, by the way, for folks out there. This is Holly has talked about this. Yeah, it wasn't after I'd sold the first book because that was Fire in the Mist. It was after I got the three book deal from Bain. Yes, the three book deal. Yes, sorry. Yes, which also you don't do. Yes, <laughs> you, 
we <laughs> covered this before. I yeah. think it's in how to write professionally. You want to save up a certain amount of money before and know that you have a, a, a returning income. However, it was a ballsy move. Mm-hmm. And after you got that three book deal, you quit, but you were a 20 something year old mother or almost almost 30. I was at that point, I was thir- 31. 30. 31. 31, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, so 31 years old. You had two kids that were absolutely insane because of all of the shit that was going on, which you had no idea was going on. Right. Um, And you had an asshole of an ex-husband giving you shit. You had his in-laws giving you shit. You had your own freaking parents telling shitting. you that you shouldn't be doing what you're doing, despite the fact that your father was both... <laughs> What he was both very supportive of you as an independent female, but also telling you you needed somebody who could control you. Yes, yes, that was that was a joy. <laughs> so there was a lot of guilt with the shoulds. Yeah, yeah, I I had people telling me my whole life. Well, I had my people telling me until I was about thirty-one what I should and should not be doing. So how did you get over that? For people who might be going through that right now, how, put yourself back in that mental state. Okay. And just explain to them how you get past it. Yeah, this is this is not easy, but it is entirely doable. I looked at my life. I said, look, I am the only one living in my skin. I am the only one who's going to be with me from the time I'm born until the time I die. Yes. And no matter, I can't control anything else but that. Or anyone else. Or anyone else. No, I can't control anyone else. And I cannot, I cannot be anyone but this one person I am right now. And that's only going to last for however long it lasts. I can't even control that. Yeah. But I can make sure that while I am in this skin, thinking these thoughts, being this person, I can damn well make sure that I am doing what I love. Hell yeah. <sighs> I'm going to say it. Fuck yes. There you go. That, that, I mean, I can say that, and this is not, I, I always, when I mention Buddhism, I, I'm always very cautious because I'm not proselytizing. Buddhists don't proselytize. If you're ever proselytized by a Buddhist, they're not a Buddhist. They're, they're a nut job. I think you're, you're more looking at it as from a philosophy than from a, from a religion too, though, aren't you? Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. They're, yeah. I, it's, it, it is both. Mm-hmm. It can be both. A lot of people follow more of the religious things. I do have an altar. I do set up my water. I do do the daily kind of the, the things that Buddha told people not to do. He, <laughs> I do I do the things that people say not to do. He never he said never revere me. He said don't follow don't create idols of me. He said don't um don't offer me things. He was very much I'm just a dude. That is it. It uh, what was um. Matt Harris's book, not Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics, but the first one. Oh God, yeah, it was really good. It was fantastic. It was, it was fantastic, and I do not remember the name of it. Add it to the show notes. Yes, I will add it to the show notes. I'll add both of those in. Yeah. But the book that I'm going to suggest is um, the Buddha in your mirror, in your rearview mirror, something like that. I think it's the Buddha in your mirror. Um, again, I'm not suggesting that you do the um chanting um uh, it, it is a very specific form of buddhism that they discuss in there it is what uh tina turner does um but there are some eye-opening moments in that book that i had and one of them was 
other people can't cause you embarrassment. You can only allow yourself to be embarrassed. Um, you cannot control what another person does or says. You can only control what you do and say and how you respond. And it taught me how to respond, not react. Right. Um, there's a lot of those things. So you don't need that book. There are plenty of places that, that teach the same things. There's a lot of stuff in that book that I, I don't personally follow. Other people, you know, do, and I completely respect that. But that's, that's what gave me that moment. Yeah. That moment of realizing that I am allowing other people to prioritize my life. And I'm feeling guilty for the shoulds. Mm-hmm. And you've, you have never told me I should do anything. <laughs> you know, even, even before um, I mentioned I ran to Matt and Matt read all of her books and then you were picking it up. So then you had your terminology and stuff. Yeah. That was one thing that you had always, always been very clear on is you can do anything you want and I will support you. You know, as long as it's legal and not hurting anybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I will support you. And what do you want to do? And anything that I ever showed interest in, if you could afford to buy me something that would help teach me that, you did. And you never were, like, hands-on with the teaching in many ways. It was you teach yourself. Right. So that taught me a lot of stuff, too. And... I'm going on a little bit, but this is so important. It really, really is important to teach yourself not to listen to other people's shoulds mm -hmm. for you. Listen to what you love and want for your life because, like Holly said, you are the only person you are ever guaranteed to be stuck with. You <laughs> might have somebody who you love and be supported by that is no longer there, unfortunately something happens and they're gone and you are left alone and you had this entire life of plans that that they were in charge of and it was all shoulds then what do you do you're yeah. you're left alone with 20 years of shoulds wasted mm -hmm. and i don't want that for anybody right right so there is there's happiness and there's joy, and they are two very different things. Happiness is something that people pursue through stuff. Joy is waking up in the morning. No, it, it is. Happy. Oh, I, I disagree with the definitions, but keep going. Okay. Joy is waking up in the morning knowing that you are the right person in the right skin doing the right thing with your life that you love, and knowing that no, whether you have a shitty day or not, because you will, whether you are facing bad things or good things, because that is going to just be a part of life. If you wake up and, and you go, yeah, okay, I'm doing, I am the right person in this skin, doing the right things, pursuing the, what matters to me, that's joy. That's, that is this thing that even in the midst of shit and unhappiness, you can still have joy. I believe that joy and happiness, to me, my definitions are the same thing. I believe that contentedness is, it c can be a disease, can be a problem. Mm -hmm. I am content with doing the minimum. I am content with 
Uh, I can sit here and watch TV. Yeah, I'm pretty content. I think that that is what you're looking at as happiness. I think happiness and joy are the same exact thing. If I can wake up in the morning and I'm happy, and this is this is spoken from a person who's going through, you know, chronic depression and I have pills. And so, so my definitions of the words are completely, you know, different from yours. And that's perfectly fine. I mean, sometimes words are like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, there is a certain amount of ambiguity. One thing there is that for me, happiness is something that people pursue. They chase it by trying to to get things. They, they, it is external to them. It can be if you're doing it wrong. To me, that's that's people doing happiness wrong. They're buying things because they think it will bring them happiness. Mm-hmm. They're, they're exercising because they think a perfect body will finally make them happy. They are pursuing happiness when all you have to do is 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 make the happiness they are trying to find the happiness like they are trying to find time you can't do it but you can make time yeah you can make happiness in choosing how to react and what to focus on and if writing makes you happy you can make happiness by writing to me happiness happiness is is a state of being joy is 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 like kind of I guess happiness and joy are a little bit different joy is that state that I get in when I'm in the flow and I find something you know if I I, I can sit there in a state of happiness while I'm writing but joy is that explosion of oh my god this is crazy (laughs) oh my god I can't believe I get to write for for you know Mm -hmm. hopefully a living folks I am there is a misunderstanding too by the way um okay and I wanted to point this out I, I don't have currently anything under my name for sale. I even took down the Etsy book that I wrote because, and I'm not going to get into a rant on Etsy, but they are no longer a company that I, I support or promote or think anybody should use. Um, and I have nothing under my name. I have stuff under Nymptipov. I have my fan fiction under both Nymptipov and Vandaline Z. Therese. And I have a, another pen name that I don't disclose because... I'm letting it do its own thing. Uh, I, it has nothing to do with anything that I want to write professionally and well under my own name. And that was also an, a way to learn marketing, to learn growth, to learn um, how to be a better writer. Mm-hmm. So anybody asking for me for my stuff, you're only going to find stuff from 2011 and before, which is super old stuff. It's not going to be great, great or well written. Right. That's, so, I'm, I'm really looking forward to you finishing up your your current stuff yes yes. because i have read some of your current stuff and i love it and i want more (laughs) well yeah you haven't you you've read the um the romance novel and i'll I'll be working on fulton hills and i'm very excited to have you guys read it and especially matt to go through and tell me how i can make it better so anyway i'm i know that we went on a bit there but we're talking about incredibly important things we're talking about possibly reaching people at the stage in their life right now where they want to make a change. Yeah. And no matter what age you are. So what's the next one? That was it. We were basically ready for the takeaway now. You can follow us on Twitter at A-I-A-R-W-I-P. I only mentioned that first because it's the easiest to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> two, you can follow us at Instagram at Alone with Invisible People. If you want to follow Holly's personal account, it's not very active, but you can see little tiny pictures of her inside life. Holly.L-A-S-L-E. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram where I can probably... Uh, blow up your feed or I can disappear (laughs) or you can learn some TMI stuff through my stories that I accidentally shared public that are supposed to be 
Sorry. private to Leah. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, R Gallardo, G-A-L-A-R-D-O. I am a hot mess and it's fun. Um, you can follow <laughs> us on Facebook as well at Alone in a Room with Invisible People. You can find the show notes at alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. If you find any value in this whatsoever and you are able to support us financially, you can support the podcast. Just follow alonewithinvisiblepeople.com slash support us to find out how. If you can't support us financially in any way whatsoever, and remember, even the $3 on coffee, that makes a difference. It's huge. If you can't do that, we have been there. Just share. Share the podcast. Share on Facebook. Share on the socials. Um, tweet about us, talk about us, um, rate, review. Those things are amazing. Those things are great. Recommend on Facebook. They really do apparently help us. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be a part of the community, please join us at hollyswritingclasses.com. You do get free stuff, really cool free stuff, but you also get that community. And that community is what has inspired Holly and, and, you know enough to have created all of these these classes and to be here now to answer any of these questions and to create this very free always free podcast <laughs> so her community as she says just full of amazing people um what is the takeaway for this episode the takeaway for this episode is the thing that i would have told my younger self from the beginning to to skip a whole bunch of pain and misery is build your life on what you love. And uh, that would have circumvented a lot of stuff. It probably would have circumvented you and your brother, so I'm glad I didn't have the opportunity <laughs> to tell myself that. <laughs> we but, all have to learn in one way or another. So. Yeah, right. But, but at the point where I realized that part of that was a mistake, you guys never were, and uh, I got to keep you. Yeah, yeah. We got to be with you full time. But yeah, yeah, build build a life on what you love. And if you want to do it responsibly, go listen to the episode, and I'll link it in the show notes. Lots of links today. <laughs> um, how to, what was it about the career? Basically, it's, it's like how to become a full-time writer. She, she, Holly breaks down what she did and what she should have done. Um, and, and some basics and finances and stuff. And we'll also link the what I would have done differently because those two break down the information that gives you um, what she should and should not have done. Yeah, I got nothing here. I'm yeah, you going, can't find the title. I can't find the title. No, I'm That's looking fine. through old show notes and no. No problem. We <laughs> okay. will link it. I just want to tell you guys, thank you so much for listening. We love you guys. Um, ask any questions in the forums. Come into the forums. It's the Alone in a Room with Invisible People podcast forum. Pop in there. We have a pinned post for questions. Don't feel stupid. If you have a question, somebody else has that same question. Oh, yeah. And we want to answer it for you. So we love you guys. And I'm just going to say we'll see you next time. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us today. <laughs>